The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. Can we get a cup of coffee in here, please? You've got a dog that needs walking. That's right, sunshine. Just put on a big pot of strong coffee and get ready to type your little hate mail with your opinions about kumbaya and flat earth insanity. Stand-up comedy? You want stand-up comedy? Well, we got, well, we've got sit-down comedy. It's time for Coffee with the Dog. You make me laugh. Not even that, man. Not even sit-down comedy today. I'm sitting down. And I'm not really all that kind of comedic. I'm not. Band is rocking. I guess that's why it's this price of admission, right? What'd you pay? You pay to get in. You want your money back? Good morning, folks. Wednesday, right? It is Wednesday. Hump day. Uh, August 9th, 2023. 49 years ago today, uh, at noontime, Richard Nixon resigned the presidency. And I think like within an hour, probably less than an hour, Gerald Ford had pardoned him. Uh, And just like that, Watergate was over, except not really... (laughs) Not really ever over, is it? Uh, we're talking about, you know, the gate part of it. Because everything since then, every scandal since Watergate has got a gate attached to it. It's like alcoholism and, uh, you know, a holic. It's like you're a gambleaholic. No, there's no such thing as gamble hall. <laughs> like Watergate, everything becomes a gate after Watergate. Uh, but it was a significant time and a, a very, um, it, it was a symbolic end to a lot of what crap going on like we see going on today. Um, I'm not going to, I don't have a guest today, by the way. I was planning on having a guest today. It was somebody, the reason I haven't, <laughs> I can't even talk anymore. The reason I haven't, um, promoted it or or mentioned anything about it because it was a guest of significant name recognition that I was supposed to have on this morning. Uh, but I knew she was going to waffle and change her mind and probably wouldn't show up. So I didn't promote it at all. Uh, it was somebody to come on and talk about the writer's strike and the uh, Screen Actors Guild strike that's going on. The writer's strike is now on its 100th day. They seem to just be out there marching it. Uh, 
every day and the studios don't care. And I'm just like wondering how long before there has to be some movement. These people just can't afford to just be out there marching every day. I wanted to talk about that. Anyways, the person I was going to talk to today was a person of significant name recognition value who is involved in that, but sadly she couldn't make it. But I'm not still not going to, because I'm trying to learn my lesson about saying when people cancel and then other people get all nasty about it. Uh, because I do think she will reschedule at some point in the future, and that would be good to have her on, so I'm not mentioning the name. But I am curious about the right of strike and what's going on with that. Um, so I don't have a guest today. And I don't know even why I'm here. I, the reason I'm here is because Tony Walker, who uh, runs Gov's podcast uh, and the site and all that stuff, had promoted this, like, at 6 o'clock last night. He said I would be here on Wednesday. I saw a tweet uh, mentioning today's show, and I was like, oh, I guess I have to do one. I was going to seriously considering taking off. Anyway, I'm here. Uh, and I don't know for how long I'm going to be here. If anybody is out there and wants to pop in, hang out, uh, uh, or if they want to debate me on any of the uh, things I talk about or argue with me, just let me know. Let me know somehow in the chat room. Call me up. Some of that crap. Whatever. I'm kind of worn out on this whole freaking thing, to be honest with you. Tomorrow, I'm interested. I'm looking forward to tomorrow's program. Because we're going to talk about Nazis. <laughs> with a psychiatrist. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that one. I have uh, a program tonight I'm looking forward to. But, um, you know, the constantly chasing down... Uh, perspective guest is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's not what I get do this for. I like having conversations with people. Yesterday was a great conversation with Jade Estrada Esteban uh, from Six City Comedy, which uh, he will be performing tonight at uh, wherever. Go to his website and see. He'll <laughs> uh, be t- tonight through Sunday at Six Six City Comedy Festival in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, anyway, you know. I enjoy having the conversations in the morning. I don't enjoy uh, doing the legwork and trying to get guests. And then when they cancel on late, late short notice, God, I can't talk. Because I, I desperately need um, some time in a sanitarium or something. Speaking of that, my Facebook memories daily are like reading a journal of that time I was in a mental hospital for 20 years. That's what Facebook memories is like. It, it's in a, you see, 12 years ago, I was this level of insane. 11 years ago, I was this level insane up on today's date. And daily it changes. But the, it's always, uh, some of the things I don't even remember even why I posted it, what's there, what 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 it means to me. Uh, but it, it's really, it's interesting. It's kind of like... Uh, like reading an old diary from when you were in a mental hospital. Um, but I did notice that, uh, what was it? How many years ago was this? I don't know. I'm all the way at the bottom now. But I think it was um, 12 years ago today, we were doing the Solari Glory Hour. Me and Mikey were guests uh, with Janet and Vinny at Madhouse TV. And there's a bunch of images from that. Oh, it's 10 years ago. I thought it was 12 years ago. Anyway, uh, 
brings back some, some pretty good memories of being on that show. Uh, that was a really cool show. And Madhouse TV uh, sadly went away uh, about six years ago. They didn't make a, they couldn't sustain it. But it was a great idea. Uh, Tom Melly and um, I can't think of the other guy's name. I can see his face, but I can't see, I can't think of his name. Um, were uh, entrepreneurs starting up a streaming network and they put a lot of money into the studio, uh, the production studio and all that kind of stuff. It was a really good idea. Problem is they couldn't make it sell. And, you know, like a lot of podcasters found out uh, who came on during the pandemic, making it sustain sustainable, financially sustainable, is a really tough thing. And so they folded. But And the studio, you know, the studio is still there. But good effort. Uh, wanted to talk about Trump again, yes, Donald Trump, but more so the people who who are still supporting him. And this might, you know, nothing is going to change their minds, but this might uh, give them a little window of insight because a lot of them, uh, oh, should I say racial, racist, racial, uh, um, leanings uh, towards racism. Remember when OJ, if you're old enough, you remember when OJ was on trial. That was the, or, or 30 years ago now, close to 30 years, 29 years ago. OJ was on trial. And everybody knew he was guilty. Everybody knew he was guilty. Every, I'm going to say it again. Everybody knew he was guilty. The evidence was overwhelming that he was guilty. A lot of people wanted O.J. to be acquitted, and he was, and celebrated his acquittal for cutting two people's heads off, one of them being his ex-wife. But they celebrated that. They wanted him to win because, it, for several reasons, either because of his celebrity or because he was one of us, uh, and not me, but, you know, <laughs> one of us, the people who aligned themselves with him, were fans of his, one of us, or for racial reasons, people in L.A., especially at that time, they were still um, healing from the Rodney King um, verdict, which caused race riots out there, and the police abuse of, of black people in general, and wanted to see a black guy get away with it. Seriously, that was part of it. The parallels between the people who are on Donald Trump's side are really obvious if you look at them. People know he's fucking guilty. People know it in their hearts, in their minds. But they are rooting for him to get off any way possible. They're rooting for him to become president again so he can pardon himself. They're the same mentality as the people who wanted OJ to get off. They don't care what crimes he's committed. He was right when he said he could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and get away with it. His followers will follow him through the gates of hell and onward to Satan's uh, little love den there. Yeah, I don't really believe that shit exists, but I don't just... Uh, anyway, so there's a, a strong parallel between the O.J. Simpson supporters and the Donald Trump supporters. Yeah, 
if you're a Donald Trump supporter, you got to kind of look in the mirror right now and say, no different between you and the people who celebrated OJ's acquittal. No different. You're the same. How does that make you feel? You can deny it, but it's real, and it ain't going away. That And Liz, Liz Cheney is right. You know, Donald Trump will eventually be gone. What are you going to do? Because you're bought into this thing that he's the only one that can save you. But eventually, he is mortal. You'll realize that, right? And he's going to die. Maybe not tomorrow. Maybe not next year. But he's going to die. And what are you going to do without daddy? What are you going to do without your savior? See, the problem is when you when you invest in a cult leader, you're investing in a mortal. And that mortal is going to fall. We all are. We're all going to fall at some time. But what does that do to your psyche when daddy dies? When daddy leaves you? I think you better start preparing for it. Because you've been sucked into this cult, following this guy, devoting your life to anything, any kind of spin, every any kind of excuse-making for all his bad behavior because you have nowhere else to turn to. It's a very sad state, and I wouldn't want to be you. I wouldn't want to be me, but I wouldn't want to be you. <laughs> uh, anyway. It's a, just a thought uh, for you to carry through your day. How do you feel being an OJ supporter, a somebody who willfully supports a criminal just because, just because he's one of you? Uh, anyway. Dave, this Dave Canyon guy says, I, I don't think he's guilty. <laughs> what the fuck kind of drugs are you on, dude? <laughs> I don't think he's guilty. Come on. Come on. You buy every fucking... Give me a fucking break. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> I don't think he's guilty. Everyone... Uh, you know what? How many witnesses does Jack Smith have? How many witnesses? I think he's got 44 witnesses lined up. None of them are Democrats. They are Donald Trump's chief of staff. They are his best friends. They are his daughter, his son-in-law, everybody on his team, everybody who was close to him. No Democrats have lined up against him. The evidence is overwhelming. He had tapes of himself committing the crimes. Dave Canyon, I don't think he's guilty. Probably didn't think OJ was guilty either, did you? You're one of those. Oh. The, that glove really didn't fit. He couldn't put it on. Oh, my God. You got to be pretty fucking dense, dude. Totally clean. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to argue with the guy. Uh, you, you, you're you're an OJ guy. You're a cult member. That's what you are. You're, you're brainwashed into uh, anything and everything. And the lies, God, man, do you think Hillary Clinton was, was totally innocent? Why not? And there's no response there. No, you call, of course you don't think Hillary Clinton was totally innocent. 
Well, you can see if you can see lies from one side, but not from the other side, you're brainwashed. My God, you can't tell if you if you can't tell that Donald Trump. Oh, you did think OJ was guilty because he was black, right? But Donald Trump is one of you. He's. I'm not say that they are the same people. I said the reasoning the same. The motivations are the same. He's one of you. You're a cult member. You're a, oh my God, he's one of us. I, I know he's guilty. Deep down in my heart, I know he's guilty. You can't deny the overwhelming evidence against somebody, but you don't, you're thinking with your heart, your dick, your ass, but you're not thinking with your head. Look, we're off to a, a, a great start here, but oh my God. You, gotta, you know what? The, the level of cultism in, in Trump world is just off the hook. Off the hook. That And listen, if he's so, he gets special treatment beyond what anybody else would. Imagine, just for a second, imagine Donald Trump was black. Just imagine that, if you can. Go there with me. Donald Trump's a black guy. And a judge <clears throat> orders him to stop talking about the case that he's, he's charged with a crime. First of all, he wouldn't be let go without bail. If he was black, he would not be let, let go without bail. That's a fact. But let's say he was. For Go with me here. He's, and the judge orders him not to talk about the specifics of the case. And he goes out and gives a speech and says, I'll do whatever the fuck I want. I'll say whatever the fuck I want to say. You don't think <laughs> he would be, if he was a black man, he would be locked up immediately? No, he gets special treatment. He gets special treatment everywhere he goes, all his life. No accountability. And then, you, I mean, how the fuck do you even have the brain power to turn on a computer or a phone and think he was not guilty. You don't. You know he's fucking guilty. Don't be fucking, you know, what, <laughs> what fucking flat earth do you live on where a guy who has his own tapes of him committing the crimes and tapes of him obstructing justice, destroying the evidence, or ordering destroying the evidence, all the evidence that we've seen, we've seen him invite people to the White House who were the planners of January 6th, the Proud Boys, the uh, Oath Keepers, invite them to the to White House two days before January 6th. Roger Stone, Trump's ally for 40 years, Pays for their hotel rooms. They commit the crimes. He Trump is clean. That's what you gotta fucking believe. That's what you have to believe. You have to convince yourself. My guy couldn't do it. He's one of us. Uh, yeah, I mean, God, man, go get yourself some fucking help. Get off the fucking Kool Aid. Holy shit. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> there is a direct a correlation uh, to the kind of thinking 
that wants desperately wants daddy to to be uh acquitted but it's not i don't think he was guilty you have no you know there's no basis for that there's absolutely no basis for that the you know you you don't care about evidence you don't care about what's real you just care about what comes out of his mouth like i think he won the election oh my fucking god can you be that stupid or are you proud to be that stupid? There was a guy, uh, you know, um, I forget, uh, Justice Matters or something. Uh, he was interviewing a, a, a Trump guy at a rally saying, uh, the evidence is clear. What evidence? Give me one piece of evidence that, where, where's your evidence that Trump won the election? Well, it's everywhere. Well, where? Give me one piece. Uh, I'll shove it up your ass. You can't. There is no evidence absolutely no evidence uh and it again 60 plus court cases all mostly republican judges that trump appointed all laughed it out of fucking court but yeah no he won the election man my god see it'd be better off if you just admit <laughs> admit that you know he's guilty and that you're a fucking you're in the cult and you just want him to win at least the oj people had that they had admitted they wanted him to get off eventually they, everybody came around to saying i they knew he was guilty man i don't know i don't know but anyway uh good to see dave cannon uh, chiming in, letting the world know that he's <laughs> in a fog, uh, in a drowning in a fog. Anyway, uh, Dave, go learn to play guitar at truefire.com. Over two million guitar players worldwide learn practice and play with TrueFire. Our learning tools and massive library of video lessons will ignite your technical skills, harmonic knowledge, rhythm playing, and soloing chops. TrueFire's educators are the best in the biz, from Grammy Award winners to world-renowned artists. You'll have access to an unparalleled faculty of over 300 top-notch blues, rock, jazz, country, fingerstyle, and acoustic guitar educators. Using our desktop and mobile apps, you'll work with TrueFire's multi-angle video lessons on any device, anytime, anywhere. Integrated learning tools such as video synced tab and notation, slow-mo, looping, practice jam tracks, and many more handy controls accelerate your learning experience. TrueFire style-specific learning paths guide you every step of the way. Use our assessment tools to find your starting point, then follow our lesson recommendations and track your progress as you work through your personalized TrueFire study plan. Progress faster with private one-on-one -on -one instruction, group lessons, multi-track video jams, live streams, song lessons, student forums, TrueFire's Riff magazine, premium jam tracks, and much, much more. With thousands of five-star ratings and reviews from amateur and pro players alike, you'll find yourself in good company with the world's most comprehensive guitar learning platform. Grab your guitar and ignite your musicality. Sign up free for an all-access trial today. 
Inviting Musicality, uh, best place to learn uh, guitar on online on the internet, and uh, you can learn from some of the greatest players and uh, great teachers uh, available today. One-on-one lessons. You heard the whole scoop. Go to truefire.com. Uh, Maggie Haberman. Haberman. Uh, she's an interesting character because she gets accused. The total Trump haters of the world accuse her of being a Trump lover. Um, other people accuse her of, you know, people in Trump's world accuse her of being a Trump hater. She's both a Trump lover and a Trump hater, depending on who you talk to. Uh, she knows Donald Trump very well. He's one, she's one of his favorite uh, people uh, to talk to when it comes to interviews. He read he, as much as he loves to bash the uh, New York Times. He reads her column every day. He he has given her close up access to him even while he was in the White House. She has a uh, piece out today. Maggie Haberman and her team have dropped a big scoop. This is according to Mediaite. Uh, previously unseen memo outlining the strategy to overturn President Joe Biden's victory at, uh, over then-President Donald Trump. The political uh, and media world has been transfixed by the news that ex-President Donald Trump has been indicted by Special Counsel Jack Smith's grand jury for his attempt to overturn the 2020 presidential election before and on January 6th of 2021. Trump faces charges of conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to obstruct justice, uh, to obstruct an official proceeding, obstruction and of attempt to obstruct an official proceeding and conspiracy against uh, rights. One new piece of evidence revealed in that indictment was the memo by Trump attorney Kenneth Cheeseboro, Chesboro, Cheeseboro, uh, outlining the strategy to keep Trump in power. On Tuesday, the reporting of a team of Haberman, uh, Charlie Savage, and Luke Broadwater uh, published a memo they exclusively obtained. The lawyer allied with uh, with President Donald J. Trump first laid out a plot to use the false uh, slates of electors to subvert the 2020 election in a previous unknown internal campaign memo that prosecutors are portraying as a crucial link in how Trump's team team's efforts evolved into criminal conspiracy. The existence of the December 6, 2020 uh, memo uh, came to light in last week's indictment of Mr. Trump through his detailed uh though its details remain unclear. But a copy obtained by New York Times shows that for the first time, lawyer Kenneth Cheeseboro acknowledged from the start that he was proposing a bold, controversial strategy that the Supreme Court likely would reject in the end. Basically, uh, when it comes down to all these people saying that Trump is on trial for uh, free speech, and he has the right to say it's not about the lies. It's not about him saying over and over again what he knew was untrue. It's about putting the plan in action. It's about telling Roger Stone, get the Proud Boys, get the Oath Keepers, get the uh, Army of God, get them all hotel rooms in D.C., have them come to my rally. I'm going to send them down there. I'm going to light them on fire and tell them what to do. It's putting the plan into action. It's not the words. It's not about free speech. And this idea that 
uh, come after me, they can come after you. No, you're not committing those fucking crimes. If you're really worried about the DOJ uh, coming after you for obstruction of justice or uh, trying to overturn an election, you personally, you're a paranoid delusional. They're not coming after you unless you actually did those crimes. Did you actually do those crimes? Uh, David's back. Oh, look, David's back. Was I guess we'll have to wait and see. Okay, well, we'll wait and see. Uh, but I can I can promise you <laughs> that's not Donald Trump's plan. Donald Trump's plan is to continue to try to incite. Uh, if you come after me, I'll come after you. He's going to continue to try to incite violence in his name to save himself, to keep himself out of jail. But again, of all the people testifying against him, it's not his enemies. It's his closest friends. It's his closest allies. The guy, you know, I'd like to fucking know what the, what kind of fucking, <laughs> what kind of delusion you have to be under to wake up every day and just continue to not believe what you see in front of your face, but believe the words that come out of a guy who's been a con man and a, uh, a phony, well-documented phony for 40 years. In your face, celebrity on television, lying to you and and faking everything his entire life, and you, oh yeah, well, he he's the only one who tells the truth. He's the only one who tells the truth. Fucking delusional. It's a, it's insane, man. But we live in a time of cult of personality. Personality is everything, and pe- nobody wants to fucking think for himself. They said, we'll have to wait and see. No, we, actually, we don't have to wait and see. The evidence is there for you. Have you read the indictment, Dave? Have you? Have you read the fucking indictment? No, you have not. Because, you know, we can. I will give you a test on it if you, if you really want to go there. You haven't read the indictment. You don't know the evidence. You know what Donald Trump is telling you. My God, these fucking people. Why do you come here? <laughs> Why do you come here? You come here to be, to be put down because I'll be happy to put you down. Man, oh, man. Uh, anyway, moving on from the Trump stuff. But uh, you know, he's going to get in, indicted again in Georgia. It's not going to be as pretty. It will probably be Friday. Well, it might not be Friday now because he's got a hearing in uh, about the January 6th stuff and the protective order argument. So that will be uh, Friday. If he can squeeze them both in, be to Georgia and get arrested and get mug shot and uh, possibly, possibly detained because Georgia is promising to not treat him special, not give him any special privileges. And they, they are promising at least the mug shot part of it which will be like, I can't imagine him. He got, he boiled over because the judge uh, addressed him as Mr. Trump rather than President Trump. I can't imagine him sitting through um, being <laughs> fingerprinted and mugshot like the perp he is, like a regular street perp. He's going to lose his mind. It would be great to have that on television, right? great entertainment. But will it happen Friday? It might happen Thursday now. Might have to juggle some things around. Now, Dan Abrams is saying that Georgia should drop the charges because Jack Smith has amended the amendment to include 
the Georgia stuff. I don't think that that flies in any way. This is Abrams once again, like a lot of the uh, a lot of the people who don't like Trump but need Trump. I'm talking media people, people in the media business. Trump is good for television. It's good for entertainment purposes. They don't have to fucking buy. They don't have to pay writers and, and actors. That's the strike that's going on because you got Donald Trump filling up your airwaves 24-7. So they want him. They want him. They, want to, they have a uh, real reason, special interest in keeping Donald Trump out of jail and in the, uh, in the picture, as I say. But the Georgia indictment, why that uh, becomes important, even though Jack Smith, uh, even though Jack Smith has uh, indicted him on the Georgia stuff, is that the state stuff becomes immune to pardon. And there's no presidential pardon. He can't pardon himself from that. So if Georgia convicts him, he's got to do five years minimum. That's the uh, that's the law in Georgia for for the crimes, the obstruction and the messing with the elections, uh, the mandatory sentence is five, minimum, mandatory minimum sentence is five years in prison for what he did. And he can't pardon himself from that. Abrams wants Georgia to drop the charges because he believes that Donald Trump can win the election, even though he'll get convicted, but will be able to pardon himself. Uh, which has never been tested. And of course it's never been tested. We've never been through any times uh, like this ever in the history of America. And God willing, we never will again. But he will try to pardon himself if that happens, if he should get elected. I don't think he'll get elected. Um, but it's, all, it's a possibility. And he certainly will try it if he gets elected. So there you go. So no. He cannot. Georgia cannot let go of it. Georgia is the is the safety valve. That says no, no pardoning yourself. That that's not what pardoning presidential pardon power was never designed for a pre president to be able to get away with anything and pardon himself from crimes, from from convictions of crimes. That would be insane right from the start. If that is the case, then America needs to burn down. If we, if we live in a country that was designed to have an authoritarian figure who can pardon himself from any crimes, can do anything he wants and just pardon himself, what's the fucking point? We might as, it might as well be a king. Why are we even bothering uh, elections every four years if you can just pardon yourself? You can do whatever you want. Just say, yeah, I'm, I'm president. I said, so whatever I do is okay. Nixon tried that. Again, 49 years ago. Today, Richard Nixon resigned the presidency. But he did maintain that a president can do whatever he wants. If the president does it, it's not illegal. Whatever the president does is not illegal. That was Nixon's uh, line that he held on to. And there are people today, oh my God, God help them all, really, who cling to this idea that the deep Nixon was a, a set up by the deep state. Nixon, again, you have to be brain dead 
on Kool-Aid, whatever, to go down this uh, road where Nixon supposedly um, was set up by the deep state. In other words, the deep state had to say to, to them, to all the minions that went and uh, did the actual robbery, the break-in at Watergate Hotel, that those orders were coming from Nixon's top aides, Haldeman, Ehrlichman, and so forth. They had to believe, so they faked that, that the orders to break in, then the guard had to just, they had to kind of purposely get caught so that the guard could find the the, uh, tape and make the phone call. I forget that guy's name, the the security guard who actually stopped the uh, Watergate robbery. And then really worked to cover it up. In the meantime, that was all a deep state operation. And have Nixon tape himself (laughs) having those conversations. All the deep, like the deep state is that powerful, this imaginary deep state cabal that that people think exists, that they can control everybody's individual personal actions all day long, including the target. And And it boils over into what Trump did and the accusations that Deep State set him up. Deep State started telling him, Deep State made Donald Trump in 2015 say he would not respect the results of an election that he didn't win. Because he said that in 2015. Coming up on the very first uh, Republican primary debate on the stage, he said he said he would not ever respect the result of election that he didn't win. It's only valid if he wins. He said that. The deep state didn't put those words in his mouth. The deep state didn't tell him six months before the election that he was going to stop call for the stop of counting of votes at 2 a.m. no matter what the situation was and declare himself the winner. He said that on a stage by himself. The deep state didn't put those words in his mouth. He didn't have his buddy Steve Bannon, Bannon say it on the radio that this was the plan that they had all along didn't just have fake electors just show up the deep state didn't say well donald trump wants you wants you to go and deep state didn't make donald trump call rathlisberger and say i want you to find twelve thousand or eleven thousand however many the number of votes deep state didn't do any of that stuff they didn't make him do any of that he did it deep state didn't drive him to that stage and tell him to go send people to the Capitol to fight like hell to overturn the results of the election. The deep state didn't tell Mike Pence, Donald Trump told Mike Mike Pence, to reject the results of the election and send it back. Deep state didn't do any of that. Donald Trump did that. Just like with Nixon, you'd have to, they'd have to control everything that goes on. And if that's the kind of guy you want, you want somebody who is uh, <laughs> controlled by the deep state so that they speak every word for him. Every word that comes out of his mouth is theirs. If that's what, first of all, if that's what you believe, you're really paranoid delusional because there are rogue characters within our government. There are rogue groups. But to think there's an overwhelming deep state where, you know, uh, everybody is in on it or the CIA and the FBI are controlled by these uh, rogue groups. 
again, you, 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 you've never actually uh, been in those situations. You've never been inside a government building, if you believe that, that because uh, I don't want to even go down there. But if you've been in there, you know. If you've been on the inside, you know. It's impossible. It's impossible. Yes, there are lots of rogue characters. There are lots of bad people who would manipulate the system any way they can. Did the CIA uh, do like lots of bad stuff domestically and and uh, foreign? Yes, absolutely. There, it was not an organized big. It's like organized crime. There is no, you know. Very disorganized is what uh, most people will tell you about um, people who know organized crime. I'm not saying I, I know organized crime. I'm not saying that. I know disorganized crime. I know lots of it. And I know lots of people who want to be organized criminals. They want to be mob, mafia, want to be the mob. And uh, But I also know people, those people, lots of those people who worked for Donald Trump in New York City construction. And yes, mob. And Rudy Giuliani, as much as he likes to take credit for breaking up the mob, all he all he was doing was working for one side of the mob trying to take down the other side of the mob. These things have long roots, long roots. And the, um, the Russian mob that is part of um, Brighton Beach, and all that kind of stuff is definitely, you know, <laughs> the work we're put in power through the work of uh, Rudy Giuliani. So he he's like known as this mob buster, but he's a, actually a mob breaker, mob mob maker, or mob team player. Anyway, I didn't want to get on that stuff. I wanted to talk about the writer's strike today and the solution to it and what they hope to gain and how long it can go on. Of course, the guest who I had lined up for that isn't here. I'm going to take a short break right now and uh, play Laurie's Bit. Laurie's been missing for a couple of weeks in the heat in Phoenix, and it's still hot. Uh, she delivered a piece last night, and it seems like the heat is definitely uh, bothering her. I'm going to play her piece. Uh, this is Laurie S., uh, strikingly hilarious. I will be back in just one minute. It's a short piece. I'll be back. <laughs> This is Lori as strikingly hilarious with another episode of Weirdiful Wednesdays. Well, I'm still in Phoenix and it's still hot. So I'm calling this one, It's So Hot, episode two. It's so hot, my pet camel doesn't have a hump anymore. <laughs> it's so hot. My dog puts on her own booties before we go for a walk. <laughs> it's so hot. Even iceberg lettuce is appealing. It's so hot. My walking cactus took a hike to cooler weather. It's so hot. I do my hot yoga in my backyard, not in a studio. <laughs> it's so hot, I just can't chill. 
<laughs> it's so hot. Life gave me lemons, so I froze them and put them in my bra. That's all. Thanks. Bye. Seems like uh, <laughs> seems like the heat is getting uh, Lori out there. I don't get the joke about the camel. Man, maybe I'm a little slow. Maybe I'm a little slow today. It's so hot, my cam, my pet camel doesn't have a hump. I don't get it. Explain it to me. If you get the joke, clue me in. <laughs> I don't get it. I very rarely need help get uh, explanation with jokes. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> look at the lemons. <laughs> good morning, uh, Ian. Good to see you there. Did you get the joke? That's what a, uh, I want to know. Did you get the joke? Uh, anyway, uh, tomorrow I'm going to be talking about Nazis. Uh, Joanne Interada author and psychiatrist will be here. I'm, I'm really interested on, in, in this program. It's going to be a, a total change of pace. Joanne's in, uh, life has uh, been shaped by being the daughter of a German Jewish, of jo German Jewish refugees. Man, I can't even read this morning. Uh, since childhood, she uh, pondered why people uh, perpetrate atrocities on their fellow human beings. After studying European history at Connecticut College, she received an MD from Columbia University and became a psychiatrist. She did a fellowship in psychiatry and law at Albert Einstein, uh, mentored by Robert Hare, Dr. Robert Hare. She uh, spearheaded the first brain imaging research on well-defined psychopaths. It's good stuff, man. Uh, published the Journal of Bi Biological Psychiatry. Uh, she has a new book out called Summons to Berlin, My Memoir. And uh, on his deathbed, uh, Dr. Uh, Interada's father uh, poses two unsettling questions. Are you tough enough and do you know who you are? Uh, and she soon realized the haunting questions relate to the center city of Berlin, uh, building at uh, 16 Wallstrasse uh, that the Nazis ripped out away from her family in 1938. But a decade is, uh, but a decade is to pass before she will fully come to grasp with the questions that her father uh, threw at her. Going to be a really interesting show, and you know, talk about good and evil a lot on this program. Like, do they do these forces of good and evil really exist? And it goes beyond the religious. What causes? People like Adolf Hitler, like Joseph Stalin. You can go down the list of all these really, really super evil people that can even you can go with Andrew Jackson. Yeah, American president Andrew Jackson. Well, it's genocide. Just to uh blind blindly eliminate a race of people because you think you're better than them, or you think they don't deserve to live, or they're taking up land that we want. That's pure evil. Is it? Or is it, you know, just being a psychopath? Is it just mental illness? And the forces of good and evil? Because I think it's always a conundrum to me. I don't understand it. Where, because I do believe that each one of us, every single one of us, has some capacity to do some really dark, evil shit. 
I know I have. I've seen the monster within myself. I think as I get older, the monster becomes weaker or more sublimated. Um, spam risk. Spam risk is calling me. Why do you even bother if if you uh, know that <laughs> caller ID is going to ID you as a spam risk? Why even bother calling? Um, but I do believe that each and every one of us has a capacity to go to very dark places. Most of us control it and don't let it come out. But there are certain cases, lots of more than we care to know about, where people lose the capacity to control evil impulses. Now, where does it come from? Is it part of psychology or is it part of real forces? Because we talk about, in, in science, they talk about forces all the time, forces of gravity, electromagnetism, those kind of forces, weak force, strong force, are good and evil real forces in the universe? Do they exist outside of the human condition, outside of the human brain? These are the kind of questions I'll be asking uh, Dr. Interata tomorrow. And I really, really uh, wanna know what her research and career has taught her about these things. I'm assuming right from the start that she's going to take take a very physical cause base. In other words, it, it's it, within the mind of the human being. It looks like Ian's got a lot to say. Well, we'll go back to Dave Cannon for one second. What did they say? Does anybody except for the riders care about the writer's strike? The riders. I don't think he means writers because he spelled writers right the second time. That's just weird. Anybody except for the writers care about the writers, Jack? I don't know. I don't know what that means. What writers? Uh, no to the camel joke. <laughs> I don't get it either. I think the original hard times created those type of leaders. Um, what do you mean? <laughs> that's his that's his uh you lost me like the camel joke there what uh where does the uh, evil force come from exactly that's my question if, if and listen even if there is an evil force right it could not exist without a good force it couldn't right because if it did if it did unchecked there was no good force keeping it in check then we'd be run amok with just evil going on everywhere we look constantly. Everybody be killing each other, raping each other. You know, it would be definitely survival of the fittest at, and the craziest and the most daring. Um, and there would be no law and order. There'd be no idea, no concept of law and order, no concept of right and wrong if evil existed on its own. So if evil does exist as a force, there has to be good as a force. But it could be that it doesn't exist as a force at all. It's just a matter of brain chemistry gone wrong, gone bad. But why does it take so many different... Um, take on so many different modalities, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Uh, 
it looks like this is John. I think it's John. Cam Comedy Carousel. Trauma would be a pretty good universal culprit. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, trauma is always... Um, but, you know, that's a good, that's a very good point. But I will say that I've had a lot, you know, if you're probably not familiar with the evening program, which used to be seven days a week for years. And I interviewed lots of authors and all of them, not all of them, a lot, a very, very large percentage of them wrote books about trauma trauma and traumatic experiences and how they survived them. Uh, none of them manifested in evil, in, do, in doing wrong to others. Some of it was self-destructive. Some of the behaviors that came out of trauma, some of it uh, was just defeatism and depression and all that kind of stuff. And, and But trauma doesn't always... Like the point I'm trying to make very clumsily here. Trauma doesn't always manifest itself in doing harm to others or doing things that are evil. So, uh, and how do we explain that when it becomes on a societal level that a society can turn and root for genocide, root for a genocidal maniac, and be on his side? Are they all victims of the same trauma? I don't know. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. You, I know. I'm. I'm posing questions here, but I do have a lot of wonder about how we can get there. How we can be the evil that we manifest in the world. I know this is not a funny show today. This is not comedy at all. We shouldn't even be in the comedy um, <laughs> category with any of this stuff uh today and i i appreciate that it was supposed to be i was supposed to you know if you're just joining me this is part of why i'm getting really frustrated with doing the show and uh a little bit burnt out about it is that i hunt down these guests and, and i spend a lot of time trying to get good guests on the program and then i get people who have more power than I do in 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 the dynamic here. What I mean by that is I don't they know that my show doesn't offer them anything in tangible results that for them. In other words, like what's in it for me? Yeah, you don't need my publicity. You're already a big famous star. You don't you don't need the limited publicity that a show like this is going to you're not gaining anything from this. So they have the power dynamic. They have the, they have the power. So if they say, I'll see, you know, Wednesday uh, the 9th looks like a good date. I'll let you know as the date gets closer. I have to accept that. I don't have to, but I'm going to accept that because, again, they have the power. Then Wednesday, Tuesday night comes and they say, no, I'm sorry, I can't do it tomorrow. And I'm stuck without a guest, which is why I didn't promote today's show because I had a feeling that was going to happen. But that gets exhausting because I'm always, you know, looking for guests, leaving dates open with possibilities. And then the morning comes of the show. They're supposed to be here. They're not here. And I have to fill. And I'm on a comedy network, um, which is why I, I don't stream every day to Rumble. 
I today I'm not streaming to Rumble because you know why why destroy that audience's um, expectations of what they're going to get when they come in. And although Rumble is definitely more of a political platform uh, than than any of the other places where we stream video to, they like they like to argue politics and they but not the kind of politics that I aspire. Um, but you know, they, they are a very political platform, but you know what? I don't want to burn that bridge. So I, here we are today without a guest and it was supposed to be about the writer's strike and yes, people do care. I, I guess interpret trying to interpret what Dave was saying to, uh, does anybody except for the writers care about the writer's strike? Yeah. Yeah. People who are, uh, dependent on the people who work the cameras on television shows that have stopped production or movies that have stopped production, the people who work the soundboard, the people who supply food and catering to the productions, the people who supply the food, uh, the the clothing and and fashion stuff, uh, costumes, uh, they care because they are out of a job right now. They're losing their money. They're losing, they're not paying their rent. Lots of people care who are not writers or actors. Everybody in the industry is affected. Now, um, to say, so where is, where's the solution? The, the studios don't seem to be budging on this because they, I believe, and I don't know this for a fact, but they, I think they believe that they can win this thing. They can win a war of attrition with the right sooner or later they're going to give up because they are getting hungry they're out there and there aren't people enough people who are willing to dig into their uh, pockets to help keep the union members uh afloat while they are on strike there are have been some big donations by some big people with some deep pockets to keep them out there for a hundred days today is the hundredth day of the writer's strike i don't think the Screen Actors Guild is probably somewhere about 50, and that's just an estimation. But um, so, yeah, lots of people beyond the writers and uh, actors have a, a dog in this fight. And those are the least lowest paid people often, you know, the people who are not the movie stars. Listen, the movie stars, they can afford this. The television stars, the people who are getting paid, you know, $7 million an episode for their uh, network television show, they can afford to take a long vacation. The guy who sweeps the floors at night in the studio, who gets paid $15 an hour or less, he can't afford it. Um, the guy who works the camera, who probably gets paid, I don't know, $450 a day or something like that. He's, he's feeling it right now. After 100 days out of work, he's feeling it. His mortgage is behind. Uh, and you can go down the list of everybody who in all the industries that support. And then the neighborhood people. The, because in studios, I mean, the, listen, in any kind of thing in, in the entertainment industry, you know this instinctually, but we don't talk about it. The people in the neighborhood of the surrounding venue or uh, where the work is taking place, 
benefit from it. The small businesses, the deli next to the studio or down the block from the studio, the restaurants are on, uh, you know, the roads are where studios are, where, where the work is taking place. They lose business. Every day there's not production going on. They're losing customers. So it's not just the people directly in the industry even or people who serve the industry, but the residual effect around them. And I'll give you uh, an example that might be a little bit easier to grasp. If you take like a baseball strike and a baseball stadium, when a, when a home team is doing well and it sells out and there's 50,000 people in a stadium, every business around that stadium is doing extra business before and after the game. Well, when the games aren't happening, all that business that they get used to goes away. And then those businesses suffer. We're seeing that in the writer's strike. Nobody's talking about it. And nobody's really paying attention. So when Dave says, does anybody but the writers care about it, it definitely gives the perception that nobody cares about it. I guarantee the people who are being affected care about it. The consumer who is watching reruns, it hasn't hit them yet. Or, or still seeing films that were already produced and just waiting to be distributed. They don't, they're not noticing any, um, what, what happened is, by the way, Brendan Waltz finally responded. I told him I'd get to get him back. Really? And he, what do you say? No, he said, fuck mine dog. Uh, I don't think Brendan, um, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say, I don't think he likes me. I don't think he really I, ever crossed his mind. Uh, he probably did when if you reached out to him and said, go back on the Mind Duck show. Um, I, I don't know. Do I want to talk about this? I think some of my friends who reached out to Brendan to try to get him on their pod after he was on here three or four times, four times. Uh, assume that because he was on here, he would do their show. And he went and they went out and he got so sick of that that he got mad at me for it because he knows those people are associated with me. That's about as detailed as I want to get on that. But I do think, you know, there is a way to approach people for the long game. Uh, uh, wow, he just said, thanks. I just saw this. Wow. Well, Oh, well, that's better than fuck mine dog, isn't it? It's a little bit better. You know, it's a lot better than fuck mine dog. I really would love to get Brendan back on. Uh, it's a little early for him, obviously. He's in L.A. Uh, the times I had him on, we were doing the afternoon show uh, and the evening show. I've had him on mostly, yeah, almost exclusively afternoons and evenings. Yes. But I would love to get him back on. He's one of the uh, definite people I would love to have back on if he would come back on. But I'm not pursuing it because I do think he's mad at me because some of my... I'm not mad at me. doesn't want to be bothered because some of my friends were too aggressive in their uh, approach to him. You don't just go at a guy like... Uh, anybody, like with a super creative guy with nothing to offer say would you be on my pod you got to make it attractive for them you got to you got to give them something that in it for them why would they want to and some of my friends 
some of my friends. Some of my friends don't consider that. They just think, I got a podcast. Everybody should want to be on it. No, there's plenty of podcasts. There's too many fucking podcasts. There's too many fucking radio shows. There's too many live streams. I think I'm probably one of the last people, by the way. And that this is not a uh, necessary patting myself on the back or it's not necessarily even a good thing. But I'm one of the last people who doesn't bother editing the live stream or anything for the podcast. I just put it out. What's and all. Uh, don't care. And so if you look at. If you were going to be reviewing my show and see it's an episode like this. There's no way you would say, yeah, that's a show I'd want to be on. What the fuck is this? It's a clusterfuck of a guy pushing wrong buttons, screaming at stuff, yelling about politics, arguing with people in chat rooms. It's not what a guest wants to do. Thank God most of them don't check out the show before saying yes to it. Uh, I don't want to get into that. The Barney Miller story. And I'm going to just call it Barney Miller because that's, that's disguising the situation. But Barney Miller has not accepted my apology whatsoever. <laughs> uh, so, and I don't want to mess with Barney Miller because Barney Miller has friends in the business, according to some people I know. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I look forward to, to the uh, Nazi discussion tomorrow in a big way. It's, I'm juiced about that one. Uh, tonight, who I got on tonight? Do I? I don't even have it listed. Do I? Why do I not have this listed? Who my show is tonight? Who's on my show tonight? This is a problem. I know how, who I have on my show tonight, but I don't think they got the. Uh, I don't unless I just didn't put it in. See, this is the thing. No, no, nobody would want to. Randy Lee Boswa is supposed to be on the program tonight, but she's not showing up on YouTube. Um, I gotta, I gotta find out why. Uh, this is a bad, a bad thing. I mean, I could fix that pretty quick. Uh, tonight, Randy Lee Boswa, born in Ontario, Canada, um, is an author. Well, she's been on the program before. I've had several conversations with her before. Just looking at it. When I see the face, I know. Um, I don't know why it's not showing up in, in the YouTube. We'll see about that. But that will be tonight. Uh, that was one that totally, um, totally flipped my mind. I forgot about it completely because I'm so focused. On, Goodbye Too Soon is her... Uh, is her new novel, novel, it's not a novel, it's a nonfiction book. Addiction is rampant mental illness that takes hold of individuals at any age. Uh, this is a true story about Brandon, who was only a teenager when drugs took over his life. Brandon. Uh, the battle raged for decades before he lost. He died. I'm just assuming he died. <laughs> it doesn't say he died there. Uh, Randy Lee shares the truth behind uh, the eulogy, having a brother with addiction created a, a fissure and forced the need for boundaries, stepping away from loving him. Yeah, I, I listen. That's a conversation that probably will uh, resonate deeply with me. I've, I've lost a lot of friends, and I've lost family members. I've lost a son, my only son. Uh, 
to addiction. And I know uh, all that stuff. The wanting to try again and rehab one more time and believing that, you know, things were going to get better uh, and then trying to protect yourself, saying, I can't deal with this anymore. I know all of that. So that show tonight is going to be um, a little bit heart-wrenching for me. It's going to be a tough conversation, which is probably why psychologically, I'm just uh, doing my own therapy here, probably why I blocked it out of my memory because it's, it's not a not a conversation that one looks forward to it's an important conversation and one that needs to be had especially for people who are going through it now uh uh what is he saying we don't we don't say amy miller we say barney miller we'll get your podcast banned off of apple's music search functions really she's got that kind of power I think you're exaggerating there, Ian, just a little bit. I got to see. I can't see. She's got me blocked everywhere. Well, she's got a website, right? Let me see. Uh, <laughs> now you got, I mean, Barney Miller, uh, BarneyMiller.com. Uh, upcoming show. I'm just seeing upcoming shows. Austin, Te- well, yeah, yeah, I guess so. No. No, the shows are too far in between. She can't be that powerful with having shows like, I mean, Barney, he he can't be that powerful because uh, I only see three shows in the next two and a half months. Listen, you can't be, you can't be knocking them dead. I still, I'm still a fan. Don't get me wrong. I would love Barney Miller to accept my apology and be on the show. That's not going to happen. Right now, I have to go. I'm going to sign off. I'm going to go fix the thing for tonight's program. I'll be on tonight. If you're if you're under a downer, you know somebody who's dealing with addiction, recommend it to them. Uh, dealing with uh, somebody in their lives who's dealing with uh, addiction. Uh, I guess I should apologize to Dave Canyon for being a little rough on him, for being a Trump. I, mean, I understand. I understand. The pers- cult of personality can be a really tough thing to acknowledge Listen, Donald Trump doesn't give a fuck about you. He gives as much a fuck about you as Joe Biden gives a fuck about you, and that is zero. None of these fucking politicians care about you. You mean nothing to them. You're nothing to them. Fredo, you're nothing to me now. You're not a friend. You're not a brother. When you come to our house, I want to know two weeks in advance so I won't be there. That kind of thing. You're nothing. You got to let go of the cult mentality and then look at the reality. The earth is not flat, my friend. And Donald Trump is not innocent. Uh, So addicted to coffee. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. But I will say this, Ian. There was a time in my life and most of my life, a long time in my life, I'd say probably from 15 to 50 nine let's say that 15 to 59 where coffee was an all-day thing it was a huge pot in the morning go into the studio uh doing some work in the studio and then take a break smoke a joint put on another pot of coffee 
go back to the studio, work for several hours, take a break, put on another pot of coffee, take a break, go, go back to work, take another break. And then that would go on until two o'clock in the morning. So now it's just morning. I noticed this just yesterday. and I don't know how long it's been. I'm going to assume four years that I've been just a morning cup uh, coffee guy. I will have two, sometimes three cups of coffee in the morning. Usually two. And that, that's it. So life has changed. And I don't, re I don't realize where my coffee addiction tapered off to just being a morning thing. But it definitely is. And last night, because I, I wasn't feeling too well last night, stomach-wise, I think I got some bad food or something. And I said to my wife, I feel like I should have coffee, but I know it's too late. I will never sleep if I have coffee at night. So I don't know. Some point, some point in in the not too distant past, I uh, I changed my addiction without even thinking about it. it. Just happened. I don't know if it's this, uh, what is it? fifteen going on fifty nine. That's what I yeah I was fifteen going on. 15. Actually, I'm. 59 going on, I was 59 going on 15. I've been a 15 year old and I remain a 15 year old, even though the numbers keep going up. I have a birthday coming up, by the way. I'll wish myself a happy birthday on the way out. Uh, all right. Uh, come join me for the Nazi thing tomorrow. I promise it won't be as fucked up as today. Uh, kind of, maybe not prom promise is probably too strong a word. I'm hoping it won't be as fucked up. No, it won't be. It will be a good show tomorrow. Come on. Join me for that, and in the meantime, you know what to do. You know what to do, right? You do know what to do. Uh, even Dave Canyon, I think you should turn on you. Uh, Dave, I'm sorry I was really rough on you, my poor Trump-following brother uh, on this non-flat earth. I hope, uh, I hope you come out of it soon. You're always welcome back, but uh, I don't know why you want to be here because I'm just going to beat up on Trump every day until he goes to jail for the rest of his life. But in the meantime, you're always welcome to turn on your radio. Bye for now.
to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.